things. One of the things that is a real struggle or potential struggle when you've been on a trip like this or been into a, another environment is what we call reverse culture shock. So you've been uh, spending, uh, we were there 12 days, and uh, some days we were, were struggling to cope. Some days it was about our physical state, but some days it was about the environment we were in. And, and I always say to people that come with me, uh, and I had to learn this the hard way, was that when you come back to New Zealand, there's a huge risk for what we call reverse culture shock. So you get culture shock when you're there because you're overwhelmed by smells <laughs> and sights and the environment that you're not used to. And you've got to come to grips with that. And for some people, it's very moving to be you know, squatting in someone's dirt home and praying for them and loving on them, just recognizing that this is vastly different to what you have at home. That's called culture shock. But when you come home and you open your fridge and there's a bounty of food that never runs out, you can just end up crying because of what you've experienced while you're there that is so contrast to what you have at home. And you know, these people that we minister to, they don't want what you've got. They're happy. But when you as a, as a wealthy, middle-class, upper-class Westerner, wealthy compared to them, when you see what you've got, it can shock you. And, and so I talk to people about just managing that over the week or the weeks after you come back because there's this tension. You know, do, you know, do we want to give up everything and give it all to them? Well, they don't want that. And they don't really need it. You know, for them, many of them are live in a safe environment. Some, not all of them, but some of them. But you know, those those ministers are giving up everything. You know, Pastor Eric, when he moved to Sosa, uh, he moved there because one man said, "Please come and help us." And he took his new wife uh, just to finish their honeymoon. He took his new wife, and they moved to the jungle. There was no house. The toilet was the river, which is also the bath, and they established the church that we now see there, and they're now establishing churches. But they don't want what we've got. They've, got. they've got a good life. But we've got to manage that tension. And as I've been traveling, I've been wrestling with how we live in what I call an unresolved tension. How, how do we live in a space where, you know, um, we learned in theology school, we live in, a, in an age which is now but not yet. And, and what that defines is that Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come upon you, we have it now, but we don't get to fully experience it yet. You know, people still get sick and die, or not everyone we pray for gets, gets resurrected, or uh, not everyone responds to the message of Jesus. This is the, the tension, the unresolved tension we're in in this day and age, is, is that the kingdom of God is fully available now, and we believe by faith that we can apprehend it, but it doesn't always happen. You know, not everyone that I pray for overseas gets healed. Not every um, person that's there that doesn't know Jesus, not every person comes to repentance, even under conviction. And so there's this tension. Other tensions as I've traveling I've been thinking about, um, my team know, and I've said this a little bit, uh, is that I live in a constant tension as, as a leader. I live, I'm constantly living in the space I call the future reality. You know, I live and breathe vision. I, I think about where this church will be in five years and ten years, and I'm, I'm constantly praying into and from that perspective. And yet the tension, the unresolved tension is we live in the now. We live with the struggle. We live with shortage. We live with um, lack of resource. And, and so do we, should we stretch for vision or should we maintain comfort? This is a tension for me. 
But I, I guess the problem is if we stay the way we are, then we become irrelevant or we die. So we've, we've, got, we've got to wrestle with this. Um, another tension that I, that I wrestle with is this, this concept of, are we, are we here to build the church or are we here to build the kingdom? You know, um, Christianity could be defined as advancing God's kingdom. But churchianity could just be all about the church. And, you know, I'm on staff here and I get paid to, to care for and shepherd you guys. But that's not the main game. That's not the main aim of our existence. We've got to think about this town and this region and advance and send God's kingdom and all its fullness available to people in this region. And, and, and the, the reality is I get paid to shepherd you, but your job is to shepherd the town. And if we miss that, then we're really existing for our own sake. And how, how effective will that be when we stand before Almighty God and he says, and how did you go with your mission? This is a tension for me. You know, I live, you know, many hours of the, my week focused fully on you guys, but it's not the end game. This is the tension. It's a tension we live in. Um, you know, another tension that we wrestle with at eldership is, is having a, a, a salvation-based focus versus, you know, building a stronger church. And, you know, we pray that people would come in here and, and, and in this space feel safe to connect with Jesus. But we don't see it all the time. And then during the week, we develop programs for you to make you stronger. You know, connect groups is all about helping you become stronger because the reality is in this tension is it's stronger disciples who lead people to Jesus, not the pastor. Like if you're depending on me to do that, then we're, we're, we're dead in the water already. But this is a tension for me. This is this, you know, the tension is that we would just create a church that's fat and lazy because then I have to answer to that and then I'm in trouble. So this is my tension. You know, what is this all about? And, 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 and so how do we become stronger but make sure that we don't just make that our end game? That the focus is much wider than that. There's a passage of Scripture that's really stirring me at the moment. I just keep coming back to it. I'm preaching it for the last two weeks. And I just want to share with you the first five verses of Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1. Uh, Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness, black as night, covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to your radiance. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine. And your heart will thrill with joy. For merchants from around the world will come to you. And they will bring the wealth of many nations. I believe this is a promise for the church. I believe this is a promise for our moment in time in this age of the kingdom. That, that God is saying to us, rise up and let the glory shine for the world to see. For nations will come to your light. This is a promise. This is the future church that I see in my prayer and faith. This is the future church that I work hard to establish. Not that we would just be a happy club, but we would rise and the glory of the Lord would be bringing people in. 
that nations would come, people from different ethnicities, people from different religions, people from no religion would come because they see something different about the kingdom of God coming through us. This is the promise. And yet there's a tension in this that I have to live with because I've been preaching it out of Hebrews 12 also. And you guys have heard me preach this. And as I traveled, I felt like this God was just saying, this is just a word for our season for the church, the global church. Be careful, do not listen, do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger. We will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will not only shake the earth, but the heavens also. This means all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things remain. Here's the good news. We're going to get shaken. And it's not going to be comfortable. And this is the tension for the glory of the Lord to rise upon us, for the glory of the Lord to shine through us, for people to come and see the radiance of God's kingdom in us and through us. God must shake us. It's a tension to live in. What is it going to look like when we're persecuted? We, we don't experience that here. But in the north of where we travel, about six or 700 kilometers north of where we ended in, in, in um, Indonesia the other day, they are burning Christians inside churches. Islamist extremists are rampant and Christians are persecuted for their faith. We heard the news about Sri Lanka over Easter. It's horrid. You see headlines about what's happening in Africa. And here we are in Tiamudu, comfy, a little bit chilly, but comfy. If God doesn't shake us, we might not wake up. This is the tension that I wrestle with. It's an unresolved tension for me. But it's a tension that God's calling us to live in. And I'm calling you to live in that tension. That you would have faith to believe that the glory of the Lord would rise upon us. That promise from Isaiah 60. Read it when you get home. The glory of the Lord would come through us, that his church would be magnificent and glorious, that would be attractive for the world to see. They wouldn't come because we've got the best music or flashlights or a comfy seat or the best kids program. They'd come because they see miracles. They come because they see lives change. They come because they find Jesus in our midst. But for us to experience that is a shaking. And I pray for each one of you that you'd have strength to stand in the shaking. Because when the things that are not of heaven are shaken off us, only heaven remains. That's what the verse following says. We're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. And there's a whole bunch of testing going on. All sorts of stuff happening in our midst. But it's a tension. This is a tension that I live with. It's an unresolved tension. It's no different than coming back from Indonesia, looking at the lovely home that I live in and all the pleasantries and the comforts that I was missing, to be honest, while I was away. Like, I mean, I love them, and they love us, and they feed us well, but I'm not having rice this week, I can promise you that. Because I've been eating rice three times a day. But how do I maintain my focus in order to 
diligently work with those people in Indonesia and India and our other missions partners. You know, we've got, we've got a choice to make. We, go, we, we need to fix this building. Probably 150, 200,000, just to fix it, to stop it leaking. But there's another option. See, we spent probably mm, 40 hours driving on dirt roads, and every town we went through, what I saw was new mosques being built. And they're massive. They're huge. I, I don't know where they get their money from, but they've got a deep pocket. And they are building these elaborate, beautiful, attractive buildings that are called houses of worship and prayer. Now, we must recognize that that is in opposition to our faith. We have to accept that. Because if it's not of God's kingdom, then it's against it. And I don't want to get into a political debate this morning. We can do that after lunch. But here's what I do know. I've got a bunch of pastors in Indonesia screaming out for more pastors. They're saying to me, please, can we have more pastors on Nias Island so that we can plant more churches to evangelize and support and disciple the people that we're witnessing to? Please, would you come back? Would, they said to me, would you come back in June? You always come in June. I'm like, oh, I'm not coming this June. But, but they say, please come, because we have part, many pastors in the forest who need your help. Why? Because we need pastors to evangelize, to win that nation to Christ. So because of the generosity, because of your generosity, we bought some land last year to establish a Bible school building. Gary's drawn me some, some rough, not rough for him, but no, rough for him, not rough for me. I gave him a pencil sketch and he gave me something really awesome back to show them of what we could establish to have the Bible school building established in Bullygate. But it's going to take money and they don't have it. We've got the land cleared. They've worked like troopers to clear it. We've got to establish a four foot high retaining wall to make that flat. It's $15,000 just to prepare the ground before we put a foundation stone in. There's a tension for me. Do we make ourselves comfortable here or do we evangelize a nation? But not through you and me. Like, like I, I love to go and I love ministering while I'm there, but the truth is what's more effective is to leave two dozen pastors who are locals, who are filled with the spirit and the passion of Jesus Christ, and they go, because they will hop on a motorbike, and they will ride 12 hours to a village, to minister, to evangelize, and to lead people to Jesus Christ. This is the tension that we've got to live with as a church. So I'm going to keep talking about it, and I'm not going to apologize, because I think we have a heritage in missions, and we have a future in missions. And for that, I'm hugely proud. And I thank you for your generosity. I thank for those of you that give to our missions program. You know, these are just one of our partners, not all of them. These are just the ones we visited last week. But for those of you that, that continue to support that, I thank you. So what's the answer to the tension? we just got to live with both. It's an unresolved tension, and it's the way it's supposed to be. It's what I've come to terms with. You know, is it comfortable? No. 
But there's one thing I do know, God didn't call me to comfort. He called me to the challenge of working with people like you and people in Indonesia to lift up the name of Jesus Christ wherever we go. And my prayer is that you would do that here and that you would be part of helping us to do it elsewhere. Why don't you stand and pray a blessing as we close. Almighty God, we thank you for the message of now but not yet. I thank you for the promise that we take today from Isaiah 60 that there is a glorious church that will rise. Lord, we, we want to see that in our, in our faith prayer. We want to see it in our imagination. We want to believe that it's coming, that it's here available now. But Lord, help us not lose sight of the tension, the shaking, the necessary stripping away of those things that are not of heaven in order that only heaven would remain. Lord, we pray as Jesus taught us to, may your kingdom come. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray today that you would continue to speak to each person as they meditate on the time of prayer we've had, the various focuses we have locally and globally. And Lord, would you stir them? Would you stir them to pray? Would you stir them to believe that there's more that we can experience of your kingdom? Father, I ask that you'd give us the courage and the strength not to settle for comfort, but to strive in the challenge to partner with you to see great things established for your kingdom. May we as a church store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy them. May we honour the legacy of this church to be a missions church and may we build a future as a missions church. Lord, I declare your blessing over each family connected with Zion, each family that's here today. May they be blessed by you. May they know the nearness of Almighty God, their Father, the extravagance of his love. May they know the enormity of Jesus Christ's grace for them and their circumstances. That nothing, nothing is impossible. I just feel to pause in the prayer to prophesy that over you, that nothing is impossible. Jesus Christ says to you, your circumstances are not impossible for me. So whatever you're facing Take hold of that promise. Receive it as a word from God right now. That God would pause in the middle of the benedictory prayer to encourage you to say nothing's impossible in your circumstances if you would believe Jesus Christ in his strength. So Lord, help us to receive that promise right now. That Jesus Christ and his grace is sufficient for all our circumstances. And may each one of us know the intimate, indwelling presence of God through his Holy Spirit. May we be guided today and throughout the week by the voice of wisdom and the voice of reason and the voice of love. May we have revelation that would compel us 
to be your messengers in this town. And I thank you for a church of people who are willing to go and be the messenger. We bless each family. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.